Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. Well, I appreciate so much the opportunity, and uh, you've got a good pastor, David. He's good. He's good. Uh, I was, uh, go ahead and give him a little hand clap. He might be watching. I remember when I left First Baptist West Monroe, I was playing golf with my buddies. You know, golf is a, a thing that ministers need to do. And I'm out there playing with my buddies, and I said, hey, how's David doing? You know, how's the old boy doing? You know, they said, Swan, he's good. I said, well, wasn't I good? They said, yeah, but he's real good. <laughs> and he is good. We love David and Rachel. And it's a pleasure to be here. I brought my wife with me, my little honey love, my sugar babe, my woman. Sort of decked out here in a little leopard outfit. Stand up, baby. Stand up right now. Been married 44 years. I love her. She loves me. She's crazy about me. Uh, she's a brunette right now. Uh, about every three weeks, God does a miracle on her hair. <laughs> I'm just messing with you, baby. It was her birthday yesterday. So, uh, you know, I'm going to take care of my woman. Happy birthday, baby. You know, there's been a phrase that's been around a long time called, uh, it goes like this, planting shade trees that you may never sit under, but others will. That's a great phrase. We really don't know who to give credit to. I mean, there's some that would, you know, pinpoint certain people, but you know, that kind of concept has been around a long time. There's been people in your life and my life that have planted a shade tree that they never sat under, but you've sat under it. You've been blessed. You know, we're here in this facility today. Uh, way back, there were folks that made this all possible. They gave sacrificially. They planted a shade tree, so to speak, and we're enjoying the fruit thereof. I guarantee you there were people that gave to this uh, ministry for, you know, this facility, this campus that never got to actually see it or be in it, but they gave to it. They prayed for it and uh, they went to be with the Lord. But I'm telling you, uh, the Bible says in Revelation 14, 13, blessed are they that die in the Lord, their works follow after them. So there's a joy that's unspeakable for them in heaven. They have look over the balcony of heaven and they're going, you know, they're probably singing right along with us. I mean, there's even those that are probably singing the praise songs with us. You know, Baptist. Normally Baptist, we just go about shoulder level if we're going to praise the Lord. But we've got a new generation that's going way up there. You know what I'm saying? And that's better for your rotator cuff. You know, just go up there. But I, 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 I want to just share with you a personal story. My great grandpa came from Sweden uh, to Texas in the late 1880s and uh, a little community east of Austin, Texas called New Sweden. Uh, Swedes are very creative people. You know, some of y'all, you know, from Brazil might say new, new Brazil, you know, or whatever. You know, I go to that Brazilian steakhouse and Lord have mercy, I wolf it down for Jesus. <laughs> Uh, they just keep carving and I keep eating. And I've never preached on gluttony, never felt led. Uh, but matter of fact, I eat it all. And I, man, I eat dessert. And woo, I'm going to tell you what, when I eat that dessert, every fat cell in my body does the hallelujah chorus. But 
Um, so anyhow, my great grandpa came from Sweden uh, and he got to Texas and he bought some land, got it paid, paid for. Then he was going to go back to Sweden uh, for the girl that he loved, a little Svenska Flickja, Swedish girl, and, uh, and wanted to marry her. So he goes to South Louisiana, works in New Iberia, uh, Louisiana, South Louisiana. Give me some kind of good feeling to see you here today. Down there where they make that community blend, dark roast coffee, which will set you free. And they were right, he was working the salt mines right next to the Tabasco plant where you have Tabasco sauce, the McElhaney family. And it was dangerous in those days. Everything was by pick and shovel. Cave-ins all the time, very dangerous. Lost a lot of lives. But he did it because it was good money. And he made some good money. Then he goes to Galveston, uh, Galveston. Uh, I used to go there for my, our vacation when I was a kid. We, we were working people, so we only got to go on the weekend. We'd go to Galveston, most beautiful brown water you've ever seen <laughs> in your life. And my grandpa, great-grandpa went there, got on a boat, goes all the way back to Sweden, gets there to her house. She's got her family and friends there. He's there to propose to her to say, honey, I want you to be my wife. He gets there, everybody wants to see this guy that's been to America, been to Texas. And he, he said, do it a suit, do it a vodka, you give me shoes, you are sweet, you're beautiful, so give me a kiss and will you be my wife? And she said in front of everybody, I ain't going. I ain't doing it. He traveled all that way, spent all that money, and she changed her mind. But she had a sister. <laughs> and... It's a true story, man. <laughs> About 10 seconds after number one said no, 10 seconds later, number two said, I'll go. <laughs> and it was just simpler back then. It was simpler back then. And she became my great grandma, Carolina Johnson. They got on the boat and they went back to America, to Texas. Her mom, she was the one her parents always said about her, she would never amount to anything. Well, I guess she proved them wrong when she learned a little French and said, bon voyage. Uh, you know, the one he wanted, never got married. She just stayed and took care of her mom and dad. Never did get married, just took care of them. She didn't want to ever leave mom and dad, but he took number two. And they get back over there. And you know, I guess it was, I don't know how long it took the boat to get over there, but bingo, there's my Uncle Turi. And, uh, then, all right, is that too much information? Uh, <laughs> then they had, uh, you know, Aunt Minnie, and then my grandpa, Carl Johnson, my mama's daddy. And then they had uh, Gertie, and then Uncle Martin was in the womb when my great-grandpa, 43 years old, took sick. And they don't know what it was, you know, back then, they, it, he was just sick. But we have letters uh, in Swedish that, you know, said he took sick and, and died. But... My great grandpa, when he built that house and the smokehouse and the barn, the first thing he did after that, he planted shade trees around the house. He planted shade trees around the smokehouse. He planted fruit trees down by the barn. My, grand, my great grandpa really and truly planted shade trees, literally, that he never ever sat under. But my grandpa did. My little mama, Pauline Bernadine, did. My grandpa uh, 
lived in the corner of that house that he was born in for 95 years. My mama was born there. Hello. Uh, those trees are there. Uh, I've, I've been there under those shade trees. My boys have been underneath those shade trees. My two grandkids, one day, uh, Andrew James, he's five, and then Maxine, she's three, Maxine. They named her Maxine. <laughs> I love Maxie Poo, but Maxine. Is there a Maxine here? See what I'm talking about? You know, my daughter-in-law wanted it to be a generational name. I want it to be a generational name. Well, I guarantee you it is. It's before my grandmother. Uh, Maxine. You know, when they told us at the reveal party, we're going to name her Maxine. Laurie comes over and puts her hand on my leg. Like, don't say anything. Don't say anything. That's what, don't say anything. You know, my buddies thought she was making a move. You know, I was like, and that's when I did John Wayne. I went, that'll be the day. But anyhow, uh, so she puts her hand there to say, don't say anything to a millennial. We don't want to offend a millennial. I want them to come to our home. I want them to be, feel welcome always in our home. I said, they'll come. They want our money. Uh, <laughs> we love our grandkids. And, uh, but anyhow, we've all got stories like that. Everybody here, there's people that have planted shade trees for you and for me. And now it's our time to plant shade trees for others. And, and it's not something that you, you do when you get old. You plant shade trees when you're young. We, we plant shade trees always. We plant, we water. God gives the increase. You know, as a Christian humorist, impressionist, a comedian, when I'm out there on the road, I was a pastor for 22 years, and I've been doing this for about 28 years. And, uh, you know, so I'll do my Billy Graham. And when I'm with a crowd like this, I almost, I just want to break into Billy Graham. And I see the people up in the balcony up there. We see you. It only takes about three minutes for you to come. Won't you come? We've chained all the buses together. You can't leave until you come forward. You know, something like that. I love, I love Dr. Graham. He was so good to me. I got to do so many things with Dr. Graham. And uh, one time we were in these rockers together. We were just rocking at the cove. And I said, Dr. Graham, these are nice rockers. I was just trying to think of something to say. And he said, it was my idea to put rockers all over the cove. People like to rock and spend time together. Ruth and I have rockers at our home in Montreat. Friends come over and we rock together. <laughs> and Danny, I don't know why I said it, but I said, Cracker Barrel has some nice rockers. <laughs> you know, I felt like an idiot, but he's so gracious. You know what he said? There's too many people at Cracker Barrel. All right. Okay. <laughs> I love Dr. Graham, but he's planted a shade tree for me, hadn't he? I mean, when you do voice impersonations, I mean, I, I, I know that, you know, you know, a lot of y'all from Brazil or whatever, and you may not get this one, but some of you may, I mean, I was raised where I'd watch the Andy Griffith show uh, all the time. And so Barney Fife, the deputy, I'd watch him and I learned to mimic him. I was in the back of our little country church one time and the preacher stood up and said, what should we do with sin? I stood up in the voice of Don Knotts. I went, nip it in the bud. And, and that's when I got nipped in the bud. Uh, my parents knew they had a problem child, but you know, all those voices, all those, they planted shade trees for me as a humorist impressionist, you know? 
I love shade tree planters. And one of my favorite shade tree planters is Jeremiah. If you have your Bible, Jeremiah chapter uh, 32 in Jeremiah, uh, it was a time when the Babylonians were about to take over. It was a bad time. I mean, it was the worst time. I mean, Jeremiah had been preaching for 40 years and yet he'd preached 40 years, but no one ever came forward. No one ever made a decision. No ever, nobody ever texted to say, hey, I want to make a decision. No one, ever, no one ever went back into the lobby to talk to one of these gracious folks that can tell you about the Lord Jesus. I mean, he had no one respond like that. I mean, but he was faithful to preach. No wonder they called him the weeping prophet because he, he was faithful. I mean, can you imagine Billy Graham preaching for 40 years all over the world and no one comes forward? That's the way it was with Jeremiah. Nobody came. So here he is, he's in the king's palace. He's in the prison in the king's palace, chapter 32 it says. And that's sort of odd, but in the palace, he's in the prison. And, uh, and, and then while he's there, they, they don't know what to do with him or without him. You know, we preachers are peculiar. But while he's there in the worst of times, when the Babylonians are building ramps, they're gonna take over Jerusalem. Jerusalem's gonna look like a bombed out Afghanistan. It's over, it is over. They're gonna be taken to bondage in Babylon, which is uh, about like if you were to go from Orlando to New York City. That's a trek, isn't it? That's how far it was. And they were gonna take them there and they were gonna be there for 70 long years until the Persians come along and then the Persians defeat the Babylonians and Cyrus, the king of Persia, saw the witness of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and Daniel and said, if y'all wanna go home, you can go home. And some went back home. And when they came back home, they had a place to live. Why? Because Jeremiah planted a shade tree that he never ever sat under. And this is the shade tree. He bought the field at Anathoth which was his hometown, which was three miles from Jerusalem. This is how it goes down. In verse six, Jeremiah said, the word of the Lord came to me, Hanamel, the son of Shalom, your uncle is going to come to you and say, buy my field at Anathoth, because as nearest relative, it is your right and duty to buy it. In other words, God is speaking to Jeremiah while he's in prison in the worst of times, when, when life as they knew it is over, and says, your cousin Hanamel is going to come and want to sell you this property. He's going to put, he's going to say it's your, your right and your duty to buy it. He's going to try to play on your emotions because he wants to take the money and go put it in a Swiss bank account. He wants to get out while the getting's good. He's going to hook them to Egypt, uh, what have you. Uh, but I want you to buy it. Why? Because I have a kingdom purpose. You know, sometimes in the worst of times, God wants you to plant a shade tree. Surely we plant when things are going well, but we plant a shade tree even when life is tough, when life is hard, when we plant our lives in the, in the kingdom business of God. Yes, there's a time to tear down, but there's a time to plant. And when it's time to plant, we need to be willing to plant those shade trees for others. So Jeremiah, Sure enough, as you read there in chapter 32, sure enough, Hanamel comes. Sure enough, he comes and makes the offer. He knew that was of the Lord because the Lord had already told him about it. Now here, this is something pretty cool. Isn't it nice to know that God will tell you what shade tree he wants you to plant? 
You, you don't have to be someone twist your arm. You don't have to someone push it on you. He will tell you what shade tree to plant. God is so good, isn't he? So personable. He'll tell you. He'll tell you what he wants you to do. Isn't that awesome? Holy Spirit will reveal to you. I love that verse that in the Bible, Psalm 37, 4, delight thyself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And you, if you're delighting him, you can enjoy those desires. You can go, you know what? I'm going to act on that desire because that's not a selfish desire. And that's pretty cool. He said, Jeremiah, I want you to buy it. 17 shekels of silver. That's like three, a year and a half salary for a business person. I want you to buy it. I want you to do it publicly. I want everyone to see that you're buying this land. I want there to be no doubt about it. I want you to, I want you to draw up two contracts. I want you to have one contract that you signed to be in an earthen jar that's sealed. It needs to last a long time. Little did he know it'd be 70 years before God's people would return. And then I want you to also put the same copy, uh, signed copy in another jar that's not sealed so that Baptists can take it out and look at it and see what the preacher's making. You know, because we like to look at everything. And I want you to do that. And I want you uh, to sign it. I want your signature. And I want you to do all that because one day, Houses and fields and vineyards will again be planted in this land. Shade trees, if you will, will one day again be planted here. That would be 70 years from now. You know, that, that's, to me, that's not that long anymore because that's, that's me and my existence. So it, it's not as long, that isn't that long from my point of view. But at the time, 70 years, how long will we be in bondage? But then that day came where Cyrus said, y'all can go home. And many started going home. Not everybody. There's a lot of people that got comfortable in Babylon. We must be careful about being comfortable in Babylon. This is not our home. We're just passing through. We're a pilgrim, we're on a journey, and our home is one day with the Lord. What a day that will be. We need to think about that more. We need to plan for that more. We need to look forward to that, that much more. And that will be a sweet time for eternity. And it'll be better than whatever you and I could dream it up to be like. So Jeremiah saw all that. And he signed it and he did it. He purchased it. Wow. He planted a shade tree. He never, ever sat under. We have no record in God's word where he ever benefited from buying that land personally. No, none, none whatsoever. We don't know what happened to Jeremiah. We don't know if he went to uh, Egypt. We don't know if he went to Babylon. We don't know if he stayed there in the area. We, we don't know really what happened to him, but, uh, there's no record that he ever benefited from buying that land. They thought You're, he's crazy. He's a pushover. What's, what's he doing? Uh, everybody's getting out and he's getting in. Sometimes, my friend, in the toughest of times, we get in on what God is doing. 
Not just for today. We, we just don't want to know how to live. You know, we, sometimes we just want to know how to live till next Tuesday. Sometimes God wants us to do something that's going to last for 70 years. If the Lord tarries, you know, so therefore I'm going to think more about my grandkids. I'm going to think more about my two boys. I love my two boys. I love my grandkids more, but uh, I'm going to do something for them. I mean, I'll leave my boys enough to buy a truck, but my grandkids, ching, ching, they're cashing in. And when, when that happens, I know my boys will look at heaven going, man, what about us? And I'll go, love you. No, we love our kids. We're going to do good for our kids. We're going to be good for the family of faith. The Bible says a man is worse than an infidel that doesn't take care of his family. I think we should take care of our family of faith. I really do. We're one big family here. You're a family here at First Baptist Orlando. There's no doubt about it. I sense it ever since we, Lori and I got here at seven o'clock in the morning, Lord of mercy. I mean, I, I didn't want to tell David, but I don't believe in God till about eight. But I just kept that to myself till this third service. <laughs> I'm sort of out of it, but I don't remember what I did at 830. Uh, I just hope, you know, I've been on medication. I hope I didn't say anything. Uh, I, I didn't, you know, Danny looked at me and didn't really give me the look. So I guess I did okay. But planting shade trees. I'm going to prove to you that I was a pastor. You know, I'm going to hear some points. Are you ready? All right. If you want to plant some shade trees, number one, it takes your sensitivity. You got to hear God speak to you. Do you hear him? He heard him in the worst of times. He was in a jail in the prison, a prison inside the palace. That's odd, isn't it? If you ever go to Arlington to go to AT&T football stadium, Jerry Jones, Dallas Cowboy football stadium, if you ever take a tour, did you know inside there, there's a jail that holds 32 people? Yeah, I think it's catch and release uh, for several of the players. But uh, isn't that odd? Isn't that funny? Isn't it odd that the king has a prison in the palace? Well, he was in the palace, but he heard God speak. He was sensitive. Listen, God speaks. He's self-revelatory. That's his nature. He reveals himself. He doesn't play hide and seek. He wants you to know. He wants you to know and understand. He wants us to know so much. He, he's, we have his word now. We have, we have the word of God. Some of you are saying, well, I would love to hear God speak. I'd love to hear God's voice. Well, I'll tell you, if you want to hear God's voice, open your Bible, read it out loud, and you will hear God speak. Did you know that? If you want to hear God audibly, Open the book and read it out loud. That's God speaking. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God lasts forever. This is an awesome book. I need it. You need it. We all need it. It's, it's God's letter to us. We got to open it. We got to read it. We got to rightly divide it. Thank God for a pastor that you have. Thank God for your teachers. Thank God for those in, in ministry using their spiritual gifts and, and all, all the umbrellas under the very word of God. You have everything that you need, all the gifts you need to be his church, to be his outreach, to plant shade trees in and through spiritual energized flesh. You guys are here because you're the shade, you're shade tree planters. So it takes your sensitivity. It takes your surrender. You got to surrender to God. You know, we can do a lot of stuff in the flesh. 
I've preached this sermon many times. I could get up and just do it. And you might be blessed, but I'd miss the blessing, wouldn't I? Wouldn't I miss it? In, in other words, like this Thanksgiving, if, if some of y'all, yeah, you prepared all the food, but you didn't have the right spirit or attitude, you know, yeah, you did it. And everybody goes, oh, no, that was so good. That was so nice. Everything was perfect. And, but you missed out because your attitude was, you know, like I'm the only one doing this. You know, do I get any help? My daughter-in-law is sitting on the couch on her blessed assurance. And I'm up here working myself that day. I know that's not any, didn't happen to anybody here. But if you had the right attitude and you didn't care if she helped or not, you're doing this as unto the Lord. You love your family. You love Thanksgiving. You love it. It's a great, great, wonderful time. And you, you know what? You were blessed. They're going, oh, it's so much work. I know it's a lot of work. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. Like having people come to our family. You know, I, may I just say this? We would like some of you to stay at the end and clean up. <laughs> Laurie, I tell you what, honey, I love you, but we have them at our house all the time. And, and they go, well, let us stay and help you clean up. And Laurie goes, no, go, 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 go. We'll do it. I'm going, ha, ha, don't go. Don't go. And they all leave and we're cleaning up everything till midnight. I know what some of y'all are thinking, you're missing out on the blessing. Yeah. It takes your surrender. It takes your silver. You knew I was gonna get there. It takes your money. Shade trees cost money. Time. Your talent. Your influence. Shade trees, they, they're costly. They're valuable. Uh, I, Laurie wanted a new tree several years ago in our front yard. I said, let's get a little bitty one and watch it grow like my sermon, you know. And she goes, no, I want it to be big because we're getting older and I want to have a big one that I can enjoy now. I went, well, have you bought one of those lately, honey? <laughs> Cost money. I wasn't very pastoral when the guy was planting it. He had a front end loader. He's digging down, bringing this big thing, put it in. I told him, I said, buddy, I'm going to tell you something. On this tree, it better not die in a year or you and I are going to have a come to Jesus making. <laughs> I didn't tell him I was a preacher. I just tried to make him think I was a deacon or something <laughs> or maybe an usher. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? Well, those, it costs money. Kingdom work costs money. If my dad were still alive, Floyd Leon, my daddy was a sharecropper. If my dad was alive and walked in here, I told this in one of the services, Danny, I told, my daddy would say this to Danny, I wonder what y'all's light bill is in here. That's what he would say. My dad, I wonder what their light bill is here. And I would say, dad, don't worry about it. Nobody in here is worried about it. I'll tell you, somebody's worried about it. <laughs> yeah, Danny's, Danny's worrying about it. I hope you're a tither. I hope you give above and beyond the tithe. I hope you have the kingdom work in your will. Is it in your will? Why not have it in your will? Uh, can you trust your kids to do what you ask? Not necessarily. I love my two boys, but we put it in the will that so that if Laurie and I run into an 18 wheeler and have fellowship with them on the way home, our church gets a chunk. And they'll cry and they'll feel bad that we're gone and we'll have a funeral. I hope they 
pay attention to how I'm doing my hair right now, you know, so I'm in the casket, you know. And uh, Laurie, she'll look good. She'll look good. I just hope they, and then, but a couple of weeks later when the, they get the check from our attorney, they'll be in the staff meeting going, we missed Dennis and Laurie. But we got the check. <laughs> well, hallelujah. That's why we did it. We want the church. It's not designated. We want them to get a chunk. Why not? I'm going to take care of my boys. I'm going to take care of my grandkids. Why not my church, my family? Why not put it in your will? The kingdom work of God is important. Your kids don't need all your money. I'll tell you what they're going to do with it. You ready? Going to spend it. <laughs> yes, they're going to spend it. And that's okay. But make sure you have some for the kingdom enterprise. If you're going to plant a shade tree, it takes your silver. It takes your sight. Can you see it? Houses and fields and vineyards again planted in the land. Awesome. They could see it. Do you have a dream for your kids, for your family? What about your church? I tell you what, I, the first service, I saw that big choir. I tell you, you know what your choir looks like? Heaven. They look like heaven. Every, all kinds of folks, different folks, shapes, colors, sizes, you know. Even had some people in there in the group sort of like me. I'm a hunk. I'm a hunk. My wife thinks I'm a chunk, but I'm, I'm a hunk. I love it. It's heaven. I look out here, I see heaven. You know, isn't that what a church is to be? Do you have a dream and a vision for your kids and grandkids to experience what you, you realize what y'all are experiencing that so many people don't experience at other places? Some of y'all are listening to me via you know, ear, radio, someone translating right now. So I'm moving my lips. You know, that's, is that cool or what? I think it's an awesome thing. Such diversity. Hallelujah. All these shade tree planters in here. And then the last thing, if you're going to plant a shade tree, it takes your signature. He, he took his ring, his signet, and pressed it into that wax, signet, signature, signet, signature. He put his signature on those documents. So when they left Babylon and they came back and they got there and they opened up that jar and pulled out the scroll, it was theirs. His signature was on it. It would be likened to you guys if all of a sudden you found out that you had a great uncle or a great grandpa or somebody that had connections with Walt Disney and, and all of a sudden you found out that you are part owner uh, of, Dis of the land of Disney World, uh, Universal Studios, Epcot, and let's throw in Bay Hill Country Club. <laughs> Will you receive it? Good. I would too. I feel led. Wouldn't that be an awesome thing? You go, oh, happy day. And they were rejoicing. They had a place to live because Jeremiah planted a shade tree that he never, ever sat under. Let me close. I didn't share this at the first two services, but I, I should have, but I ran out of time. But y'all are the third one, so I can go longer. You know, there's no one after you. Danny's over here going, well, I'd like to go eat something myself, you know what? <laughs> when I went to Baylor University, uh, the reason I went to Baylor University is because I had gone, I was hoping to go to Texas A&M and play football. Coach Gene Stallings had did a little recruiting with me and I was excited about it. All of a sudden they fired him, so I'm out the door. 
I ended up going to Lamar University in Beaumont, lasted about a week. I didn't like it down there. I just went home. I said, I'm not going to go to college. Nobody, no Swanberg boy had ever gone to college. I was on high school plan two in high school, which was non-college bound. And, uh, and, uh, but I took the ACT test with a buddy one time because he was going to do it. I said, I'll go do it with you. And I made a 16 on it. I made a 16 on the ACT. And, uh, but anyhow, when I left Lamar in Beaumont, I came home to Austin and my daddy and mama came out and said, Marshall Edwards, rabbi, we called him rabbi. He was our high school football chaplain, 32 years old, married, had two little kids. Uh, he'd give us our pep talk before each football game. We were state champs, 67, 68, 70 in Texas. Beat Odessa Permian twice, Friday night lights. I need a t-shirt that says, the older I get, the better I was. <laughs> and he would give us that pep talk. Well, he reached me for Jesus. March 15th, 1971. Spring of my junior year, right after we won state championship. Changed my life. Well, he told my dad, Dennis needs to go to college. So when I got home on Wednesday, my dad said, Marshall Edwards, rabbi, wants to take us to Baylor. He went to Baylor, and that's 102 miles. He wants us to drive up with him to uh, Waco. Uh, he says, you need to go to college. Well, I'd never been to Baylor University a day in my life. I'd stopped in Waco because of gas wars. You know, they had good gas prices. Well, we drove up there in his yellow LTD. I was in the back seat. My dad was up in the front passenger side, Marshall driving. We get up to Baylor. We go in to see those people, whoever these people are. And all of a sudden, uh, they're wanting me to go to Baylor to play baseball for Coach Dutch Schrader, and who just died a couple of years ago in his 90s. And, and every time he had seen me all these years, you know what he'd say to me? You never could hit a curveball. I went, thanks for the encouragement. Uh, we get up there, and uh, next thing I know, they want me to take the ACT test again. I said, well, I'll be glad. So they put me in a room right then, went in there and took it again. I made another 16. But when you put those two together, 32. I made a 32 on my ACT test. And I ended up being there at Baylor, going to Baylor, majored in Greek, majored in religion. I had to have a tutor for a year because I was on probation academically. I didn't even know what that meant. And I finally learned English and grammar. I just thought it was par for the course. And then Marshall Edwards, he comes up to Waco. He becomes pastor at Columbus Avenue Baptist Church and, and that, that, that fall semester. And then that spring semester, he said, Dennis, I want you to be my youth pastor. Well, all I knew was Jesus. I didn't know much about Baptist. I'd been a Methodist, you know, I'm Baptist. I'd watch them. They'd go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night visitation, Wednesday night prayer meeting. I don't know when they find time to sin, but they do. Uh, you know, my Methodist, we, we, we work sin in. Uh, but so anyhow, I became youth pastor and I started growing in the Lord and I got two majors. And then I went to Southwestern Seminary, got my master's, got my doctorate, met my little Laurie, my honey love, my sugar babe, hubba hubba. We got married, went to Corpus Christi for our, our honeymoon, Corpus Christi, beautiful brown water in Corpus Christi. And we stayed at the La Quinta, La Quinta, which in Spanish means next to Denny's. And, uh, <laughs> So 
Next thing I, you know, all that happened because of Marshall Edwards who planted a shade tree for me, 32 years old, wife and two little kids, took time to take me and my dad to Baylor and got me into Baylor. You know why I got accepted into Baylor, Danny? Because Columbus Avenue wanted Marshall to be their pastor. So when they brought me up there, they let me in trying to get Marshall to come. I'm gonna tell you something. I'd take that deal again today. I'm not too proud. I thank God it was a gift. It was a shade tree. I didn't deserve it, but it was a shade tree. Now here's the rest of the story. I know I'm just a little long, 41 seconds past time. Marshall Edwards went to Covington, Newton County High School in Covington, Georgia. God called him to preach. So he decided to go to Baylor University. He already had an appointment to West Point. He had a full scholarship to Harvard University. But he turned those both down and said, I'm going to go to Baylor, prepared to be a preacher, a gospel preacher. And his dad said, if you do that, you won't get one penny from me. And he didn't. When Marshall got to Baylor, he pastored a little church, had three other jobs, and he was trying to pay for everything. By the end of the semester, he was short financially. He came, he came up short. But someone sent a check in. Someone sent a check in. Second semester happens again. Check comes in. Sophomore year, junior year, senior year. Two weeks before he took me to Baylor, when he was 32, he got a letter from Mary Leela Ellington. Mary Leela Ellington was his high school English teacher. He had her for one semester. She wrote him and said, Marshall, I was up in my attic and while I was in my attic, I was going through some stuff and I came across the canceled checks that I sent to Baylor. Yes, I'm the one that sent the checks to Baylor University. And you are the greatest investment I've ever made in my life. Marshall Edwards was stunned. He found her number, he calls, she says, hello. He doesn't answer and he talks more than I do. And she said, is this Marshall? He said, yes, ma'am. She said, Marshall, you're the greatest investment I've ever made in my life. Mary Leela Ellington, never married. Marshall asked her one time, Miss Ellington, did you ever have a boyfriend? You know, ever have a little, you know, romance, you know? And she said, Marshall, I never had a date, but you are like an adopted son. You're the greatest investment I've ever made in my life. So some years ago, I finally realized something. I finally realized that on that day that I got in the back seat of that Ford LTD, that yellow and black Ford LTD, my dad was at the front passenger, Marshall was driving, we're going to Waco. I finally realized that Mary Leela Ellington was sitting in the back seat with me, wasn't she? Wasn't she? 
When we got to Baylor, they made me take that ACT test again. If they could have heard her, she probably would have probably said, if I'd have had him for one semester, he'd made a 21. She was there when I graduated with a double major in Greek and religion. She was there when I went to Southwestern Seminary and got my master's and doctorate. She was there when Laurie and I got married, March 19, March, yeah, May 19th, 1979. <laughs> Just seems like yesterday. <laughs> she was there when my boys were born. You, are you with me? She's in here somewhere, isn't she? Mary Leela Ellington. She planted a shade tree that she never, ever sat under, but I have sat under that shade tree. Thank God for Mary Leela Ellington. How many Brazilians do I have in here? Raise your hand. Look at you, look at you out there. Speaking that Portuguese. I remember when I was at Baylor, we had some missionaries that served in Brazil, uh, the Bagby family. Remember when Alice Bagby Smith and her husband Harley, I remember when they both passed away and I was at their funeral. I just in deep awe of respect for them. And when they were taking Miss Alice Bagby Smith out in the casket, they were taking her down up the, the aisle and the preacher in Portuguese didn't say goodbye. He said, ah, atema. Or atela. <laughs> until then. Say it, Brazilians. Until then. It wasn't goodbye. It's until then. And one day, one day, my dear friend, oh, to be part of that shade tree that's planted up in heaven. I'm, I'm so glad that God's a shade tree planter. He planted a shade tree for Zacchaeus so he could see a friendly face. He planted a shade tree for Nathaniel just to sit under and do some thinking. He planted a mustard tree so David and I would have a good sermon illustration. And he planted a, a shade tree on a hill called Calvary, a rugged old tree. Thank God. And thank God he planted a shade tree by the river of, of life in heaven for all of his shade tree planters. And until then, until then that day, what a day will be when we'll all gather together. I can tell you this, I don't know if I'll ever be back here again, if we'll ever see each other again, but I can promise you in Christ Jesus, I will see you then underneath that shade tree. Hallelujah. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.